Rick and Rick podcast with cousin Ray Ray. Welcome back, fan. It's another edition of Brickless with Rick and the Cuz. Uh, Cuz, how you doing tonight? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty decent. Got some some coffee cake and sponsored by uh, uh, mimosas, spelled spelled with an I. If you didn't know, is that like a different brand of mimosas, or did you just genuinely not know how to spell mimosas and you thought oh, it was no, mimosas, not mimosas? Uh, I, I don't think it's a brand. Uh, I don't know. I just I really I have some pretty shitty champagne I need to get rid of. So, now, of course, it's accompanied by Natterdays, but you know everyone already knows that. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, I'm just simply sponsored by Elijah Craig Bourbon. I had a little left, and it seemed appropriate for the show. And how and how are you doing though? How are you doing? I'm good. Night? I'm good. Really excited to uh, go back and play some. I've been really hooked on Breath of the Wild lately on my Switch. So. Oh. Birth of the Wild, interesting. Uh, I, I, I know we said we're not going to talk much about uh, NBA. Wait, wait, wait! Oh, no, 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 no! Tonight's top story. We are, we're not. You're skipping right to the top story. Don't right you to the top it? story. It is, it is not the NBA. It is not the NFL. Tonight's top story. We're not even going to college. Tonight's top story. We're going all the way to high school. My alma mater, which I assume is a word you can use for the high school you graduated from, the Platte Gettys Black Panthers. They took home the state title about a week ago. Uh, Let's do just a little bit of a recap of the game. Why are you doing this? Because how often does your high school win the state title? Mine never, but that's... Well, point proven, so I'm going to make everyone listen to it. Also, we might have a fan in Platt Geddes. So, um, Platt gets the coin toss. They win six-yard touchdown pass from the halfback to the running back. There was all kinds of crazy plays in wait, this game. Back, wait, HB to RB? What? HB to RB to open up the game. A failed two-pointer. Platts up 6 nothing. How does that make any sense? I don't no, know. It doesn't. But then uh, the old quarterback, Kelby Vanderwerf, he fires off to Jackson Olsen, the tight end, for a 31-yard touchdown. Two-point try is good. Platts up 14 nothing. Wait, so they don't have a kicker in 9 in They do have a kicker. They do have a kicker. Because the well, don't spoil it. But there's a field goal later on. Okay. Uh, Hamlin, they get on the board with a 50-yard touchdown from quarterback Xander Sheehan to Cameron through, and Cameron through has had an outstanding season. I think he was like a thousand-yard rushing uh, running back, which I don't know is impressive in nine-man or not. Uh, but still, that's a lot. Uh, Platt Gettis puts another tutty on a board before halftime. They're up 20 to six, and then they do get a field goal there. Just four minutes into the third quarter, 23-6. I, ended, I was watching the whole like uh, live stream during the game. Pretty much wasted the whole workday. It was great. So first play of the fourth quarter, another 50-yard bomb. Vander Veft to Hansen, 50-on touchdown pass. Platts up 29-6. The game was felt pretty over at this point. But disaster would continue as Grayson Hansen weaves his way through the defense. 36-30 Platts up. They score one more time. As Aiden Bolchi, he breaks through for a 31-yard scamper for the Teddy. And then uh, on the final play of the game, we let Hamlin score once they wouldn't seal so bad. But anyway, Platt get his 42, Hamlin 12. Congratulations, you champions. Just had to do it. That was tonight's top story. Not everyone knows about that. That's breaking yeah. news. Um, it's probably good you didn't tell me that was the top story. When I you didn't told want me to. You would have pro- protested. Yes, correct. You would have I, I would have said, stop the story. Right. None of it's real. We are going to count all the legal stories. 
All right, well, let's jump into uh, let's do the NFL quick. So it was a a, a pretty solid week uh, in the NFL. The the Browns and Texans played a very rainy, soggy game that made our parlay sad. Uh, Nick Chubb scampers out at the very end to make sure they can kneel out the wind, which pissed off betters everywhere. Uh, the Lions squeaked one out. Uh, actually, I mean, they were in the lead for a long time during that game. They tried to let Washington win, so the Lions don't even know how to tank good. And I actually was happy that he went out of bounds because that gave me a push in the game against the Texans. So That's that's dope. true. We'll get to spread them in a bit, but that push hurt me. Right. I'm just saying not everybody was mad by them yeah. stepping out. Oh, Lonzo Ball. Oh, not, not Lonzo. LaMelo Ball went third. Good for him. The Colts and anyway. Titans were pretty close for a while, but the, the Colts ended up running away with it. The Bucks returned to form with a pretty solid stamping of the Panthers. I was kind of disappointed in the Panthers' showing of it, but I was not disappointed in that 99-yard touchdown run by Ronald Jones to get me Nin- out of 98. Oh, I 98. I rounded up. <laughs> um, anyway, that was, uh, you know, that was a lot of points for my fantasy team just to inch me a little bit closer to guaranteeing I missed the playoffs. Um, the Giants turned around on the Eagles. Uh, what's your take? So let's look at the NFC East standings, right? What is, what is your thoughts on this four-car pileup? I I don't care. I, I I've, I've given my argument on on older on older episodes of the show about how it'd be perfectly reasonable to replace a team that has that bad of a conference record with another wild card team. Um, but, and not everybody likes that. It's like you win your division, you're in. And to me, I, I think that's kind of a stupid argument. If your division is that bad, you should be able to, if your out of conference record is two eighteen and one, like it was for them at one point, I'm not sure if it still is, then don't, don't let them in. Did they clearly, they've clearly shown they can't beat anybody else but them, but themselves. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, man. I think it was a few weeks ago we kind of thought the Eagles were going to run away from this, and it's just just not happening. The Eagles— They had a close game with the Ravens, and so we thought, oh, they must be a good team. But as the Patriots showed, you don't need to be good to keep up with the Ravens. That's true. We'll get more on that in a minute. But it's going to be just the ugliest thing because they can only beat each other. This will be the funniest finish in a conference or in a division. In recent memory, um, but let's switch over to the the NFC West, where it's a different kind of pile up there. The Niners are kind of starting to fade away, but we've got a three way to top, three way tie at the top, six and three. And what's wrong with the Seahawks though? Because they keep losing games. Like I think they've lost three of their last four. Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, so they they started out five and zero, oh. and they've all been really close. Uh, I guess that ten point loss to the. The Bills wasn't super close, but uh, well, people just figured it out. Again. Yeah, um, p- people figured out that you know you just you basically keep Russell Wilson. Also, Chris Carson has been hurt. Yeah, it's is a big reason. He's he's actually huge. He's, I mean, I said it before the season started. He was like my number one like underrated fantasy player. That he's he makes a huge difference on that team, and it, it's been shown in the last four games. So the Seahawks lose to the Bills, and then the Cardinals turn around and they beat the Bills. But just barely, D-Hop managed to catch that touchdown in quadruple coverage. Yeah, yeah, should not have happened. But Should not have it, happened. That, that um, dude is just ridiculous. So I don't know if I'm, you know, if they both lose to the Bills and you've got a, a, you know, a common loss there, I'm not kind of, not really ready to put that as like a, a quality win. 
but it is just it's stacked up there, and it, it's going to be it's going to be difficult for other teams to sneak past <laughs> that group if everybody keeps winning to make the playoffs. Uh, the Dolphins just keep rolling, man. It it's a uh, what are they seven and three now? Six and six three. and three, six and yep. three. So, but yeah, so there is a buttload of AFC teams at six and three. There's two six and three teams not currently in the wild card because the other wild card spots are all taken up by six and three teams. That's true. There are, by my math, which we've discussed earlier on the before the show today, is not good. But there are five, six, there are four, six, six and three six. teams. Correct. It's crazy. Six, 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 six. And the so Steelers the, are still somehow undefeated. Well, not somehow. They put a whooping on the Bengals. They kind of returned I mean, the yeah, Bengals, a little bit. But, but like so many other teams, they just that there was a great five thirty eight article talking about the worst. Um, eight and no teams. Uh, this is the first Pittsburgh team to ever start eight and no. They've never done that in, in their franchise history. So that was actually interesting for a team that has like the most Super Bowls and such a such a storied history. That was kind of shocking to hear. But um, last week was kind of like their first dominant win. They'd had so many close games against teams like the Eagles and just teams that should not have been uh, close contests. But that they managed to pull out pull out the close games. Uh, I know Stephen A said something about he really doesn't want the Steelers to to go undefeated, but I, I don't know what it matters. Like if, if they go undefeated and they win the Super Bowl, then like they they did it right. Like wh- whether you think that they did, were actually the best team or not, like nobody beat them. So I, if they do it, then good for them. I do. I think they will. Absolutely not. They they still have seven games left, and some of those games are actually somewhat difficult. Most of them aren't, but. Yeah, they're going to get tested at least three times coming up. They've got the Ravens, the Bills, and the Colts left. And those are all losable games. And, so and even if they play the other teams, like the Jaguars this weekend, Jaguars are 10-point underdogs. I wouldn't be surprised if they cover because they've been playing everybody close, and the Steelers have been playing most teams pretty close. So, Yeah, speaking of the Jaguars playing people close, I mean, the they gave the Packers all they could handle that entire game. I mean, the Packers only squeaked out a, a four-point win. It kind of still makes me just even more confused about the, the quality of this Green Bay team. I mean, the, the Browns always play super good at home, too, against the Steelers. Every year. Like, last year, the Browns beat the Steelers at home, but then they got just thwarted on the road, just like they got destroyed 38-7 to this year at, um, <clears throat> in Pittsburgh. But Cleveland has... Pittsburgh at home at the very the very last week of the season, so I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland Cleveland ends up uh, you know, taking a surprise one from them at the end of the season as well. Yeah, I mean, especially that performance against the the Cowboys with no real excuses. So I mean, you, you never know. This is a very very shaky NFL. Um, how did your Patriots manage to pull this off against the Ravens? I didn't watch any part of this. I had a another parlay going. I was four for five. The only game left was the Patriots. I assumed they were going to get shit stomped because it went to a last-second field goal against the hapless Jets. And I'm like, I don't need to watch this game. This is money in the bank. I wake up in the morning. I've lost money. What happened? Yep. There was literally three things, right? So it was uh, number one, and most important, was New England's defense was playing up to snuff. Even without Stephon Gilmore, they... They they were just playing shut down. They basically did like the the playoff, um, the anti playoff Lamar Jackson strategy of like make him throw, make him make the plays, right? Stack the box and leave it up to his arm. Um, so the defense played great. They executed really well. Um, the other two was Damian Harris, obviously keeping the ball on the ground, had a great first half. Um, he only had like you know a couple 
18 or 20 or so yards in the second half, but he was tremendous in the first half, keeping the ball on the ground and just picking up first down after first down, keeping the Ravens off the field. And then the last element was Rex Burkhead, just like doing whatever he needed to do. He was all over the field, ran a touchdown, caught a touchdown on that weird trick play from Jacoby Myers throwing a touchdown. Um, that dude was just making plays. So really it's just our two running backs and, um, and our defense just played tremendous. Damian Harris has kind of started to establish something as a stud, which is so weird because is, is Michelle hurt or are they just not using yeah, he's, him? He's on IR, but Damian Harris is making sure he's keeping that job. Yeah, he's he's been looking outstanding. I didn't realize Michelle got hurt. Yeah, even James White isn't really playing very much. So, so we should probably very quickly talk about the Saints. So they're going to lose Drew Brees for probably the you know it could be the rest of the the regular season. He may you know come he's back. He's saying he expects to be back in a few weeks. I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but man, you'd think being that old with broken ribs. I mean, they collapse long. You get a few weeks, you can probably come back from that. But those broken ribs in a 40 year old body is that's going to be tough. Is, is that not a weird saying either? Like collapsed long. It just it. It just seems like, oh, you like got your lung flattened. I know that I know that's not what it means, but it just seems like, holy cow, you you got your lung flattened. You you should not be playing any sport ever again, ever. But apparently, it's something that's super easy to come back from. Yeah, I think it's different from like a you know full on like punctures and stuff where there's like scar right, tissue. Right, puncture like a hole in it though. But yeah, yeah. I, it's just strange to me that that's what that means. It's kind of like it's, it's like it's like the the getting the wind knocked out of you of your lungs. So the the Vikings managed to uh, not lose on on Monday night because nobody beats Kirk Cousins ten times in a row. Uh, so we exercised at a couple of demons. I don't think he'd. Uh, uh, I don't. I think he didn't have a win against the Bears, and he had never won on Monday night. So Kirk was pretty fired up. Now, I, I mean, the Vikings defense was put together with duct tape. They were missing. I mean, they're missing a lot of people. That secondary was right. down to like some four string people. Uh, so luckily they didn't have to go up against a quarterback that was going to throw it. That was kind of nice. But it was really curious that the Bears' entire offense was handed to Corderell Patterson and just hope magic happens. Like, that was such a dumb offense. And the Bears are in a complete free fall. I think it was, what was it, four, four yeah. in a row now they've lost? Four, four, they were, losses, yeah. you know, from from five and one, and people are like, I don't know how the Bears are doing this, to five and five, and they're like, oh, that's how they were doing this. Yeah, except for the people who were like, "Oh, you face like the Giants, the Lions, and uh, and the Falcons your first three games," and that even that Falcons game took a ridiculous comeback. Um, those people kind of knew, like, okay, this this cow, this uh, this bear team obviously isn't uh, it doesn't deserve to be five and one. Similar to how the, the Bills shouldn't be seven and three, right? I I, I love five thirty eight. I talk about them all the time, but the regression model talks about point differential. The the Bills are plus seven. They should not be seven and three. That is a team that should be four and five, five and four, just 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 like our teams, right? Like Patriots and the Vikings should are basically right where they should be based on their point differential. But uh, the Dolphins, who are plus sixty nine, nice uh, six and three, are more deserving of that first place spot. So I'm actually kind of rooting for the Dolphins. Two is three and zero, oh, you know. I'm I'm not like a super big fan of his, but. Uh, He's he's doing well enough. I don't think he's playing exceptional, but he's he's doing what he has to get the job done. Um, speaking of four and five teams, I, I was going to put this off, but how do you feel about the Vikings making the playoffs? I saw, I saw an article explaining why the Vikings could win their last eight games, and they're already one down. Now it, they only it's need entirely seven, possible. They only need seven more. 
because the the remainder of the Viking schedule is is not super tough, right? So I mean, let's let's right. pull up the the games coming up, right? We've got we've got the Cowboys, who it would be pretty embarrassing to lose to, but I I, I don't trust this Vikings team against anyone. I, I wouldn't right? put it past the Vikings, right? Right. I don't trust this Vikings team again. But we get you know we get the Cowboys. We'll be at home for however much that's been worth this year. Um, you know, the Cowboys are depleted. Elliott's still got a, you know, a stiff hamstring, so they should win that one. They've got the Panthers. And honestly, that one's kind of a coin flip, right? We, who knows how that's, you know, going to go. Or are the, the Panthers going to play crappy like they did against the Bucks, or are they going to be the Panthers team that they gave the Chiefs all they could handle? Um, you know, the, then they get the Jaguars. The Jaguars, you know, they score a lot. And if yeah, our defense can't get enough stops... That's also a losable game. Um, if the Bears don't write their ship, that could win. We were pretty dominant over the Lions. So, I mean, right there, that's, you know, that's potentially five wins right there. And that puts us, you know, at a, you know, we could easily be nine and seven. The other two games against the the Bucks and Saints, uh, and we get the Saints on Christmas Day. So what kind of present is that going to be? Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure how, how I feel about it. I mean, I, I could see a nine and seven season. And honestly, if we get, Seven, eight, or nine wins, I'll be pretty happy because we lost so much of the secondary. All that right. secondary is just so brand new. Uh, we lost Barr for the season. Uh, you know, Michael Pierce opted out. Uh, we lost Daniil Hunter. So, you know, assuming all of that is is fixed when we come back next year, we get the secondary that's a little more experienced, and, and Zimmer's had another year to coach these guys. And then our front gets so much better. Right? Eric Wilson's been playing out of his mind, but to bring back those other guys – uh, you know, plus the the continued emergence of of Justin Jefferson, I'm much more excited about next year. If we'd have continued from this one and five path and just been shit all year, right. it would have been much more concerning. Um, I mean, even I mean, if we make the playoffs, I mean, this is this is not a Super Bowl run team, right? If, if so. you end up nine and seven after starting one and five, you you have to be you have to be impressed, right? Because that means you won eighty percent of of your final games. So. It, from where you were, and especially given those close games, like that 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 flute game against the Titans, where for some reason Guskowski went six of six, including three field goals from 51, 54, and fifty five yarders, including the game winner. Um, when he was like what, like six of thirteen outside of your guys's game, right? Kind of a wild flute game, and then of course that Seahawks game, which was also just just wild from um, from start to finish, where they literally scored what like three of their four scores in a matter of like two minutes. Yeah, so yeah, they got three touchdowns in two minutes. Realistically that this team is more of like a, what, what could slash should be a six and three team. Right. So if you think of a six and three team and leaning towards what could be a nine and seven finish, that would actually be closer to 11 and five. That, that, that's a pretty damn good team. I'm not saying it's super bowl worthy, but um, no, but it, I mean, it'd so be nice, right? really like, what their I'm, points show that they are. I'm not going to be upset if we make the playoffs at all. Um, you know, and obviously there was a lot of Vikings fans who, when we were one and five, they were on the tank for Trevor Train, and that was, you know, not not good behavior all around. But that being said, I think nine and seven makes the playoffs in the NFC this year. It might, it might not, and I mean, and that'd be or the either either even with an extra wild card team, I don't think nine and seven teams make it. No, and and I I. I'd just be happy with, with that many wins, though, because then then I'm much more confident about next year. Because I think we've had five of our drafted players come in and make an impact this year. I mean, DJ Wanham, Justin Jefferson, Cameron Dantzler, uh, 
Jeff Gladney. Does, uh, does this year's record really even matter? Like uh, the the San Francisco 49ers last year went three and thirteen, and then last year made the sorry previous year last year made the Super Bowl, right? So I mean, it really all comes down to the. I know people like feeling good about their team, like oh, I feel great because we had that great second half of the season. It's like yeah, but what does that do for you other than ruin your draft stock, right? Yeah, and I'm not too worried, you know, about it because we we've managed to draft so well. We'll have a you know a slightly higher position. Um, unfortunately, I mean, the the thing I would love to see the most is if we sneak into the playoffs and then we're you know uh, you know number seven and the uh, number one gets a bye right and then two through seven play or something like that. Yeah. So it would be great if if the Saints get the two seed and the Vikings get the oh, seven seed. Fantastic. Fantastic! Just just keep just keep that storyline going every year of the. <laughs> how, of the how many times like, do we have to oh, teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> I love that so much. Every time, but the Saints have a great play. Have, have the team that they can win the Super Bowl this year. Kirk Cousins, uh, like or the Vikings organization. Like, hmm, be a shame if somebody you know ruined that. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh let's dash actually let's look at it next week. So uh, let me get get back here oh uh well you know we just talked about your team so for me um i don't think the patriots are making the playoffs i think they can i think that i was going to say the same thing basically i think they can go nine and seven um we have really only three tough games which is the cardinals the rams and then the bills um i, I guess the dolphins also are, are supposed to be pretty tough um i'm actually not that worried about the bills because we're at home and the bills barely beat us Obviously, when they were at home, and they actually, you know, if it wasn't for a stupid Cam Newton fumble, we obviously would have beaten them. But um, Patriots, historically, especially Bill Belichick, they have the Bills' numbers. So, really, I think if we can win two out of those three games at the Dolphins um, versus the Cardinals and at the Rams, we can win two out of three of those. I, I think realistically, this team could go nine and seven. And I, I, repeating what I said earlier, I don't think nine and seven is enough to make the playoffs. So. Uh, I actually wouldn't be happy with a nine and seven finish because it'd be nice to actually be on the the positive side of uh, of, of the draft for once, rather than always having to wait. When I mean, Bill Belichick's going to end up trading out of the first round anyway. But the the tank for Lawrence is, is clearly not happening. I, well, yeah. Given the week when I thought we were going to lose to the Jets, we were down by ten points in the fourth quarter, and uh, I was actually kind of hoping that they would just lose, just because that would give us a. Uh, that that one game advantage against the Jets because all we would have to do is lose to them in Week 17 to solidify. Uh, you know, assuming we lost out at that point, we could have uh, lost to them and got us that first overall pick. But uh, so the, the Pats fine. having too many wins here, and with you know looking like they they're going to pick up you know at least a few more this year. Correct. So what is the quarterback situation next year? Do they continue with Cam <clears> then? Because I I just I keep hearing conflicting reports about you know. Cam's doing great there. He's buying into the system, and then the Patriots are tanking to get a new quarterback. And this was all Bill's grand design to throw the season. I'm still curious as to what his grand design, because we all know he has one, right? We we all know whatever he's doing, that there's a reason for it. And I, I've already talked on a couple episodes ago about how <clears throat> you know the the three super close losses away from well, they would have been five and two at the time. That now we'd be seven and two if it wasn't for those. But uh. So I mean, you can't really leave those up to Bill, but Bill ultimately he's he's always got a plan. He's always three steps ahead of everybody else, win or loss. So whatever he's doing right now, he's got a reason for it. Maybe he's got like a a Patrick Mahomes in this next draft where he's thinking maybe we can get Cam back on another short term deal or is, or even is just Cam on a one year deal. 
Yeah, yeah, he's on a one-year deal. So, um, yeah, we're paying him like one point two five million. Like we're literally paying him the veteran minimum. Um, he's got enough room for incentives, and he's he's probably on his way to earn about half of those right now. So, he's not going to be too disappointed. But I, I don't think we re-sign him just because I'm sure he's going to be asking for a decent amount of money, unless the quarterback market continues being as bulk as it is with all these great rookies coming up. Um, maybe we can get him a cheap again. But I think if he can sort of identify his own. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, where he can draft somebody as like a a, a late, you know, later half of the first round after everybody else has taken their their Mitchell Trubisky's and and whoever else they want to take, um, and their Baker Mayfields. If they can get their own version of that, you know, their their successful quarterback, who I'm hoping is Kyle Trask. Obviously, that would be a dream come true for me. But if if they can get somebody later on in the second half, they they don't even have to worry about Cam Newton or whoever is playing there, right? Um, or if they do, maybe just wait a year, whatever the plan is. That, that, that's my hope, is that they draft Kyle Trask, they develop him, he becomes the next Tom Brady. That's how I envision everything working out in my ideal, perfect fantasy world. Of course. Uh, so let, let's move on from the NFL. Let's go to, to college football. Not, uh, you know, we, we kind of said going into it, not a particularly exciting weekend. Pretty much everything went as scripted. Uh, Kyle Trask kind of, uh, he put on a show, kind of put up another uh, – you know, flyer that says he should definitely be talked about for the Heisman. I, I think, and I don't want to say that, that you know, uh, oh my God, why can't I think of Sunshine's name? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. You know, I, I think it's his, I still think it's his to lose, right? Because if he doesn't get COVID, we're not talking about anybody else. Which is weird because it really depends on who you ask, right? ESPN has trash right now, but that's mostly because of that. Um, CBS and other outlets still have Trevor Lawrence number one because of exactly what you're saying. They're like, oh, well, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't get sick. My only issue with that, and yeah, I know I'm being a homer here, but Trask hasn't done anything but amazing from the start. He literally he threw six touchdowns, and he's thrown four touchdowns every game since then, except for last week he threw six again. Um, he, he broke the record for the most touchdowns through six games. Before it was Tua with 27. Um, second place was uh, 25, and we all know who that was, obviously – um, Burrow. So the fact that he has 28 touchdowns in his first six games, and those are all against conference opponents, I think that makes it just so much more impressive. It doesn't make any sense to me that he wasn't in, like, he was always in the conversation, but he was never the front runner. I feel like he should have been there from the get go. The fact that he's literally gone six, four, 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 and six in touchdowns is just, and he's basically got all, all the other stats are across the board are pretty similar to Lawrence. You know, per, they're both completing just over 70% of their passes. Uh, they both played at roughly the same amount of games. Um, they both have very minimal turnovers. R- really, the only difference is like the touchdowns, right? The yards are essentially the same. So his touchdowns are ab- ab- above and beyond, right? And you can call that any any, any part of whatever. But um, he also got taken out of the fourth quarter last game, where he he feel it. Um, Mullen loves bringing in his backup throughout the game too, which is really weird. Why why he likes bringing him in? Um, I, I like Emory Jones, but he takes a lot of. Um, takes a lot of snaps away from Trask in the mid-game, and I think that kind of throws off his flow a little bit. I think it hurts him more than anything. So, uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense that Lawrence is the go-away favorite when, number one, Trask is in the toughest conference and destroying everybody, um, and number two, he's playing lights out week in and week out. I think the loss against A&M hurts him a little bit, and then I think we need to see how the rest of the season plays out. It, it, but if you if you look at that game, like I know, I know not everybody's going to look at every single game individually, but... They scored six out of seven drives. The one drive they didn't, and they scored five touchdowns on five of those six. The one drive they didn't score was a, a fumble by the running back 
that let Texas A&M win it on a last-second field goal. Literally, that was just score back and forth. Um, really not his fault at all. He, he, he scored he scored a touchdown and then one field goal on every drive that, that he had the ball where it was under his control. He, he can't control the, you know, the, the running back from the ball. But, and ultimately, it's a team sport, so you, know, you can bring in a bunch of variables into it. But there's nothing more he could have done that game. Like, he, he literally brought, like, like, just dragged his team. Um, he really just needed his defense to step up and, and make that play. So I, they do have the loss to AM, and AM's going to use that to try to get into the playoff. But uh, I, I don't know how you take that loss and, and you know, hold that. I, I just, track. Yeah, I, I just see that, that hurting him a, a little bit. I mean, obviously, the, you know, the Clemson, when they lose to Notre Dame, it's, it's with Lawrence right, out of the right. game, which, which almost kind of makes it seem like if they had had Lawrence, maybe they would have won because a lot of people think that. Um, but I think it, I, really for me it comes down to because they I mean they have been beating better opponents right because I mean the SEC has just ob- objectively got some tougher teams than the rest right. of the ACC this year. So does he, you know, manage to pull off the you know the SEC championship? Like if if they go into that exactly. game against Bama and get destroyed, <clears throat> he doesn't deserve it. But right. if they if they win the SEC, it should be him. Oh, but, absolutely. And, and I, but, I can't see any way that they keep it from him, especially. And this is one thing I, I God, I've said this so many times today, but um, I've talked about it before. If, if Lawrence is trying to avoid the Jets, this might be two reasons to get him to come back next year. Number one, to not get drafted by the worst, um, the the worst organization in football, and number two, to come back and win the Heisman if he doesn't win it this year. Trask is in his senior year; he can't stay. So if they give it to him or fields or anybody else that keeps trevor lawrence in uh, in college one more year or at least maybe that's his driving force who, who knows what his idea behind it is right but um there's talk that he does want to avoid the jets and if he wants to hit, win the heisman that could just be another reason to stay next year yeah i mean i i could see either of that playing out uh so michigan uh they took another thumping by scani uh mm-hmm. i think they're winless penn state uh they're winless uh, they lose to uh, Nebraska gets their first win of the season. That was that was a really fun game to watch. Uh, Nebraska tried to lose it at the end, but managed to hang on. So go Huskers. Uh, but Cincinnati continued to win. Marshall continues to win. Uh, you know, Miami snuck it out against Virginia Tech. So they're going to stay afloat, uh, you know, for that ACC hunt. Uh, Indiana, they uh, they shut out Sparty. So we're going to get that big uh, that big matchup. Uh Boston College is a pretty good team. They put up a fight against Notre Dame, but Notre Dame wins by two scores. Uh, USC, uh, they won yet another squeaker at the end. Uh, so I think their ultimate matchup with with Oregon is kind of making it seem like the Pac-12 champ might be legit, and that could seal the fourth playoff spot. And Because that's probably the committee's dream, right? You have the SEC champ, the ACC champ, the Big Ten champ, the Pac-12 champ, and then they just don't have to deal with BYU and Cincinnati. Right. Now, obviously, the Big 12 is already out of it. But what, what do you think the committee does, though, if it comes down to that? You have a one. Let's say you do have a one loss Pac-12. You you do get a one loss SEC champ plus two one loss teams in the SEC um, uh, undefeated Big 10 or even one loss Big 10. And then clearly a one loss a, a ACC unless Notre Dame somehow pulls a rabbit out of their hat against Lawrence. Um, you have one loss two one-loss ACC teams, with one obviously being the champ, plus undefeated BYU, undefeated Cincy, undefeated potentially you know, other teams which aren't getting nearly as much attention. What, what do you do if you're the committee? 
I think the the SEC champ is a, it's going to be a one loss team. You know, if it's Florida uh, or undefeated Alabama, that's a lock. Oh, for uh, sure. the, the ACC champ is likely going to be Notre Dame or Clemson. That's a lock. Um, they're not giving Indiana much of a chance, so Ohio State will probably run the table. Um, I mean, unless you know somebody manages to to sneak up and bite them. But either either way, I think the Big Ten champ is, is going to be undefeated. You know, unless something crazy happens, so that's a lock. So it really just comes down to who gets that fourth spot. And if you have a one-loss Pac-12 champ, then that puts Cincinnati and BYU back in the conversation. But if we have an undefeated Power Five conference champion in the Pac-12, I, I just see that being the easiest way to deal with it. Because how do you pick between BYU and Cincinnati? You don't, and you pick Oregon. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, let's look into next week because uh, we've got uh, we've got a lot of games, or not a lot of games to go, but uh, uh, <laughs> we've got some decent not for, not, some not decent meat on the bone coming up for this week. So we've got. Uh, as I said, we we're going to see Indiana at Ohio State, so that'll be fun. We'll get to find out what Indiana's really made out of. Wouldn't it be crazy if they managed to slay the Death Star? That would uh, be crazy. I mean, Florida's going to get a tee off against Vandy. Home, so I doubt that. But yeah, but I don't know if they get fans there or not. But I mean, still, you're on your own home field. Uh, right. No, they get they get lim- I, No, it, actually, I don't even know. I don't know if the Big Ten is playing or not. I know the SEC and the ACC have like. You know, about twenty thousand fans a game, but anyway. uh, Scania and Northwestern are gonna are gonna duke it out uh, to see who goes undefeated. So the interesting thing here is is Scania seemed really strong. Right? They absolutely obliterated Michigan, which puts them on par with everyone else who's doing well in the Big Ten. Right. But Scania missed two games, right? So I think they're Big Ten championship ineligible. So you think you so, think like it'd be more beneficial for the committee if Northwestern made it beat well, them well i i think scotty's just kind of they're just kind of playing spoiler because i don't think that they're going to get to play let's, let's look at their their schedule here i mean they don't get ohio state right, right. So, the, the, the minimum is what seven i think they actually might have shortened it to six yeah if well if they change it to six they they will have six games they have six games in their slate and they're going to get northwestern right. minnesota right. So I, I think, I think indiana and iowa the most recent minimum that i read was seven so if Wisconsin plays six and then has the championship, they're still eligible with that seventh game in the championship. But I, I'd have to look it up, and we could probably report on it next week if I get a chance to look at it. But I thought you had to play seven to be Big Ten championship eligible. Oh, cha- oh big conference championship eligible. That I'm not sure about. Yeah. So that'd be interesting because then uh, Scotty could play a great season but not get their shot at Ohio well, State. They, they don't have time for a makeup game, and Wisconsin still has – CFP percentage, like in in the in the predictor, they're still in the percentages, so they must still be eligible somehow. Yeah, so uh, so there's gonna be that game, uh, and then uh, Cincinnati's gonna get a, a decent test against UCF. UCF's playing well, so we'll see. Uh, if Cincinnati can destroy them too, that's gonna make their resume even stronger. So Cincinnati, despite being how good they are, is probably still playing for their. You know, they need to make a statement game here. Not quite playing for their lives. Um, uh, yes, the team must play at least six games to be considered for participation in the Big Ten championship game. Okay, so they are going to get six. All right, so they're still in. Uh, so, yeah, so if they win out, uh, and we'll see what, they, what they're what they made of against Northwestern. Northwestern's been looking good. 
Uh, and then the other uh, sexy game this week is going to be Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Uh, they're not playing for anything, but it'll be still still could be a good game. So we're running out of season with, you know, not very many big matchups left here. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of ranked Big 12 games, but they don't matter. I mean, even looking into the the week beyond that, uh, I mean, there, there's there's nothing on here. This is going to be. There's no way the committee doesn't come out looking like a villain. Uh, so let's wrap on on college football. Let's uh, let's go to our, our last story tonight. So there's been a ton of trades in the NBA. I, I think we're gonna just go ahead and wait a week to to see what else. I know that the Celtics are planning some moves, and there's obviously been some some crazy shit, especially anything involving Houston recently. Uh, but the NBA draft is happening while we're recording here of yes i don't it's tough because we didn't get to watch march madness so we don't you know how much do you know about these people and it's going to be so hard it's got to be so hard for these gms because you know mostly i know the people who are going to go in like the top five six seven picks and other than that really what i do during the draft is i wait for the celtics to draft somebody and then i look up their scouting report and convince myself they're going to be great so but i don't i mean the only Two people I really know coming into this were you know, James Wiseman and Lamelo Ball. Uh, the Timberwolves take Anthony Edwards. Uh, I saw very near the beginning of the draft that kind of put him up to him being the number one overall pick, and then that happened. Uh, what's your take I, on I Wiseman? Knew, I only knew about Edwards because he was in the SEC and played against Florida a couple times. But uh, but wouldn't it be kind of like cosmically, like I don't know. Um, wouldn't it be like justice almost if it's like this season all of the picks in order were like from best to worst like the it turns out that that just crazy March Madness tournament which is named for that reason like throws off all the all the GMs and stuff every year it's like oh without that weird thing at the end and the conference tourneys and everything if we just take just what we had everything before the conference tournament turns out that's actually like the best judge of who these players actually are because that's all we had and it turns out this year is like the best um draft year like order wise that we've ever had that would just be like like incredible to me like, obviously it's not gonna happen because you never know anyway but so we get a uh, a second wave of march madness in november is that what you're saying yeah but like, it's just funny like all these players start like the top 10 players all start playing up to like what you expect a top 10 player to play up to 11, 12, 11 to 15, I'll start playing like just around that range, but not quite, uh, you know, 15 to 25 are all, you know, bench players. You know, they, they come off and they do what they need to, um, but the last five and then the next few in the second round are all like, they, they stick around their teams that they get a few points here and there. Like literally everyone plays up to their expected potential based on their draft position because, you know, fucking 2020, everything, nothing can be right. So what are your thoughts on James Wiseman going number two overall to the Warriors? I mean, I'm surprised. I, I thought they were going to trade out of that pick, to be honest. I did not think that they would take him. So uh, I'm actually extremely surprised. I disagree because for for the Warriors with their plan, right? So, you know, they get these injuries. Do they need a player. center? Have they ever needed a center? They've never really had a, a big man. They've kind of just rotated in for – and that's you know, what I'm saying. Like, why why would they all of a sudden switch to that game plan? Well, it'd be. I mean, if you can get a guy at number two, so I, I mean, it makes sense. They, you know, they 
put some people, you know, probably doing some of the, the fake injuries or benching people or retiring for the season to try to drop these wins. Cause you know, next year they should have, I believe both splash brothers should be back and healthy. Uh, I believe Draymond should still be healthy. So you add a, you know, a, a capable, I mean, Wiseman isn't like, you know, big and bolty like Shaq. I mean, he's a, a big lanky guy. I mean, he can cover a lot of the floor. So I think he could still fit in there and probably give him, you know, some, some presence down low and be able to pick up some of the rebounds to keep their offense more potent. So them losing so many games and obviously, you know, benching some players to make sure they weren't winning for them to get the number two pick and get the guy who was the number, you know, the presumed number one for a long, long time. This is, I, I don't see them trading out of it. I think this is a dream come true for the Warriors. This is a perfectly executed plan. I, I guess, I mean, you, you can, I mean, that's one way to view it to me. I guess I, I strongly disagree that they've won three championships on, on small ball and, their, their, their centers were what, like Zaza Pachulia, who at, played like 18 minutes a game? So uh, t- to me, that, that's not what won them championships, right? It was their small ball and their three shooting. Um, I don't think that rebounding was, was necessarily what, what they were going for. So I, I, I don't see this as if, – if they were trying to continue that same formula for success, Wiseman was, was not the way to go. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was a bad pick. Um, Wiseman probably is the best player in this draft. Or at least he is argue, arguably, but um, I, I don't think for what the Warriors have been doing, he isn't the pick that fits their team. But the NBA draft is so weird, right? Because it's only two rounds. So many players don't pan out. So to be at the number two spot to take the arguably the, the most talented player there, you just have to take it, right? I mean, what are you going to trade away there? Like, uh, Yeah, but, but the most talented player in a not-so-talented draft, or, you know, could be, we, we, I guess we don't really know, since, again, they only had, you know, three-fourths of a season. But um, to say that he's the best in this draft is just, it's, it's not the same as last year's draft, two years ago, you know, 2003. Obviously, you're, you're not having these loaded draft class but classes. But I, to me, like I said, to me it doesn't make sense. Um, if you're getting the best player in this year's draft, then then sure, I, I guess maybe it's too hard to pass up. But, but maybe their argument is when is when's the next time we're going to be back this early in the draft, right? For for them, they, they expect to have Curry and and Thompson back, so their argument might be we're never going to be this high in the draft again. We might as well take advantage of it, right? And, and I mean it makes sense too because I, I imagine when you have the number two pick and it could be Lamelo, it could be Anthony Edwards, it could be James Wiseman. There's a market for that. So I imagine they got calls about that pick, right? But yeah. But they didn't get, you know, they didn't get market value for that pick. So like you said that they're they're probably never going to be anywhere near drafting number 2 again for a while. So you get the probably the most secure player in this draft. You just take him. I mean, you can always deal him before the season if somebody really wants him or I mean, hell, if he pans out, then the the Warriors are strong enough to to make another championship run. I I see no downside. I mean, you need a center, right? And you get him on a rookie contract for a while. So even if he's just functional, that's what the Warriors need. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Lamelo? He goes number three to the Hornets. Hey, I don't have too many thoughts on him. I never really had that big of an opinion. Um, he's the only one who's played like technical, quote unquote, like professional ball, right? Because he he went overseas for a little bit, if I remember right. Um, yeah, he was drafted. Uh, his rights came from Australia. Yeah, so I mean, you know, putting up shots from half court that are now equivalent uh, now equivalent to just over a, a long three pointer. I I know right, but 
Um, other than his dad's really annoying, and we haven't heard much from him for the last couple of years, I hope it stays that way. If he's successful, he'll likely get loud again. So a lot of people will be rooting against him. I don't have anything against him. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't really know that much about him. Um, I know Lorenzo, or whatever, got in trouble, and I don't think he ever got drafted, or if he ever, he never made a difference. So if he's successful, you know, great for him. Uh, I know a lot of kids hated him when he was in high school. So I expect that the NBA is going to be pretty rough on him. They're not going to obviously. They're not. No one takes anything easy on any rookie, right? But they're going to be probably especially rough with him. So. Uh, if he makes it good for him, I expect him to be just another small ball shooter kind of ball hog point guard. So, yeah, yeah he's supposed to be, you know, uh, a significant amount better than his brother Lonzo. Uh, you know, that's what everybody claims. But uh, I mean, Lonzo turned out to be, I mean, OK, not great. You know, a decent player. So if he is a lot better, I mean, he's he went two overall. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, he's got a I mean, he's got some potential i mean i i think a lot of my uh disinterest in him really all stems from his dad otherwise i, I probably would just be completely indifferent so right. it's hard it's hard not to root for the ball family to fail uh, just because lavar's is so insufferable uh, i mean even lonzo was kind of overrated really I, I, if it wasn't for all the hype because of his dad which again didn't really just really make any sense i think he kind of like embodied the current administration with the way they're like oh if i'm just loud people will pay attention to me um also but, i think that ended up working against lonzo right because it gets him drafted because the hype train worked and then right. la was so sick of him they dealt him to the first person who's willing to take him and shift him off to new orleans i mean it ended up being bad but at the time they got him a lot of hype while he was in college which he also just really wasn't that great in you know like his dad just kept talking him up all the time and he was okay he, you know he, he was definitely a standout player but he gets the NBA. He, he can't shoot. He's he can't put up a three. His form was just ridiculous. He he shoot, he like weirdly like shot from the chest with like both hands like flinging and like it just didn't make any sense. Like he was worse than Ben Simmons almost at shooting a three. Um, he, he's pretty good at dishing out assists. At uh, <clears throat> you know he's he drops about dimes pretty well and you know he's obviously sort of adapted that since moving to 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 the Pelicans, but. And good for him for doing that, but I, I don't think he was ever going to be the player that he was hyped up to be. Which again, I think was mostly because of his dad. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. We'll we'll probably do a, another recap of the draft here because the the Celtics haven't picked anybody, so I haven't started paying too yeah. much attention. Yeah, other than that, I was interested in the top three. More than I thought. Were, so. Um, right. so we'll be we'll be back next week with a little bit more of a draft recap. If anything interesting kind of is to happen here, definitely going to talk about a lot of these NBA trades. And, uh, you know, be back with some of the highlights from some of these really good college football games and another week NFL. So, Cousin Ray Ray, did we miss anything? Gosh, I just realized we already talked about the NCAA. Um, whew, I got to lay off the mimosas. You guys give me so much shit for putting too much orange juice in my mimosa. I made this one way too strong. Okay. Uh, no, I, th I think that's everything. It's a good show.